All right, take your Bibles and turn to Matthew chapter 13. Matthew chapter 13. I want you to look with me in verse 47, please. And we'll read down to verse 51. The Bible says, Matthew 13, verse 47, Again, the kingdom of heaven is like unto a net that was cast into the sea and gathered of every kind, which, when it was full, they drew to shore and sat down and gathered the good into vessels, but cast the bad away. So shall it be at the end of the world. The angels shall come forth and sever the wicked from among the just and shall cast them into the furnace of fire, there shall be wailing and gnashing of teeth. Jesus saith unto them, Have ye understood all these things? They say unto him, Yea, Lord. This is what is called the parable of the net. And the parable of the net that Jesus gives is the last of seven what are called kingdom parables. And in context here, Jesus has been speaking to a multitude of people, but also to his disciples. He's been teaching them concerning the kingdom of God, which, by the way, the kingdom of God is currently a spiritual kingdom. The kingdom of God is the rule of God in the hearts of men. There's coming a day when there will be a physical kingdom in the millennial reign of Christ, but the kingdom of God is a spiritual one. It's the rule of God in the hearts of men, and Jesus has been teaching about the kingdom of God. In each of the seven kingdom parables that Jesus gave, what they were intended to do and what they did was to give a glimpse of the gospel of Jesus Christ at work in the world throughout time. Okay, And it's through the gospel and through being saved by the gospel that someone enters into the kingdom of God in the first place. And so, the kingdom parables are about giving a glimpse of the gospel at work in this world throughout time. The parable before us here this, this, this afternoon brings us to the close of the end of this age when the whole system will be tried and judged by the judge of all, the Lord Jesus Christ. In the other kingdom parables that Jesus gave, <coughs> they all centered around the gospel too. And this one is no different. And so once we walk through this, we're going to be looking at the effect of the gospel in this world. But the other parables were no different. They all centered on the gospel too. For example, the parable of the sower. Uh, the parable of the sower was working with or showing the condition of men's hearts concerning the gospel. There was only one soil that brought forth fruit. It was the good soil. The gospel was the seed, the word of God, okay? And, and how it was received depended on the heart condition uh, or the soil, okay? So that was the parable of the soil. The parable of the wheat and the tares, we talked about that a couple of weeks ago. That demonstrates how some respond to the gospel, that some are true and others are fake. The wheat and the tares were to grow together until the time of the harvest when the truth 
was revealed. And there was, there, the point that we made in that was that there's a day of reaping that's coming. And in that day of reaping, the tares will be exposed for what they are, and they'll be cast into the fire. Then there's the parable of the mustard seed. And if you remember uh, from your own Bible studies what that parable was about, that also is referring to the effect of the gospel, the effect of the gospel in this world. It started out very small, but it grows and grows until the end. You have the parable of the leaven. That talks about the effect of the gospel in a person's own heart. The whole of a man's life is permeated and affected by the gospel. Amen. Then the parable of the hid treasures. That demonstrates the value of the gospel and how different people are exposed to it. And while some may not be seeking the gospel, when they're eventually exposed to it, they recognize the value of it. They recognize it as truth. And they're willing to part with anything in order to gain the most valuable thing, and that is salvation. And then I think a good example of that is the woman at the well. She wasn't seeking salvation, but when she was exposed to it by Jesus Christ, what did she do? She left her water pot and she went and told all men that here come see a man who told me all things that ever I did. Is not this the Christ? She saw the value of it. She received it for herself. Then you have the parable of the pearl of great price. You remember that parable possibly. But again, it's indicating the value of the gospel. Some people are actually seeking after truth. And when they come under the sound of the gospel, they immediately recognize it as true and as of God and they embrace it. I think a great example of that is the Ethiopian eunuch. He, was, he came to Jerusalem to worship, but he went his way. He still hadn't found what he was looking for. But when he heard Philip preach about Jesus, he immediately knew this is true. This is what I'm looking for. Some people respond that way. They want to know God. They want to know the truth. And when they come under the sound of it, they know it's right and they embrace it. That's the effect of the gospel sometimes. And so this, this parable before us here is no different in its impact of, of teaching us the effect of the gospel, but it, it's intended to highlight the fact that the gospel is indeed at work in this world currently, and it will be until the end, until the time. And it's available for all, but there's coming an end to the working of the gospel, and in that day of gathering, the judge of all will separate all who are his and all who are not. And so we're going to talk about that in this parable this afternoon as we consider the parable of the net. Let's pray and then we'll begin. Lord, I pray that you would encourage us and challenge us with your word here. Thank you for it. Thank you for the gospel. Thank you, Lord, for the provision of salvation in Christ. Thank you for choosing to use your people as a voice for the gospel that all men could hear and know that there's a, a way of salvation through Christ. Lord, we love you today. Thank you for loving us in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, consider, first of all, let's consider the net itself, okay? The parable of the net. Let's consider the net itself. Look at verse 47. It gives us some, some idea or some, some truths about the net itself. 
The Bible says again, the kingdom of heaven is like unto a net that was cast into the sea and gathered of every kind. Notice that the net itself is something of purpose. And what I mean by that is that it has a purpose. The net has a particular purpose. The net is something that is prepared and something that is fitted for a special purpose. The purpose of that net is to catch fish, right? Okay? Again, these are kingdom parables. They're describing for us the effect of the gospel in this world. The Bible says the kingdom of heaven is like unto a net. This net was prepared and fitted for a special purpose. It was to catch fish. Now, at the time that Jesus is speaking, he's speaking to his disciples who were fishermen. And so they understood the illustration that Jesus is given. In those days, there were different kinds of nets that were used to catch fish. And notice the term that Jesus uses. He says, it's like unto a net that was cast into the sea and gathered of every kind. That term gathered means to drag or to sweep. And the effect is, or the thought is, the net is cast into the ocean or to the water to catch fish. It has a particular use that is to drag them up from the bottom or to sweep. So the net would be drug along the bottom and it would sweep along the bottom and it would gather of every kind as it went. All right, you follow that? As it's dragged along the bottom, it keeps gathering all in its way, both good and bad, both small and great. And when it's brought to the shore, those that were proper for use were preserved, those that were not were either destroyed or thrown back into the water. That was how it was done. The net itself, here's the point, the net itself makes no distinction of the fish. It receives all that comes into it. And so here's the application. This is a wonderful picture of the gospel of the grace of God. The invitation of the gospel is a universal invitation. It's available to all. It's doing its purpose. It's doing its job uh, as it's being uh, working in this world. It's gathering of every kind. It's to every creature. Whosoever will may come. Listen, the gospel is like, is like sunshine. It's like rain. It comes to all who live on this earth, whether they're good or bad. The gospel is for all. Romans 10.13, go back over there, or turn over to Romans 10.13 with me, please. Because Romans 10.13 teaches us this principle of whosoever will. Let's go back a couple of verses. Let's go back to verse 11. For the scripture saith, Whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. For there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek. For the same Lord over all is rich unto all that call upon him. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Now, the Jews didn't like the word whosoever. They didn't like that because the Jews thought that they were the only chosen people of God that they were special people, and they are the chosen of God. And in that sense, as a nation, they're the chosen of God. 
But that's not in a spiritual sense. As in, they're the only ones who received the gospel because uh, the, Paul said here that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And what's interesting is that the Apostle Paul is citing or quoting the Old Testament prophet Joel when he says this. He's quoting Joel 2 in verse 32 that says, And it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be delivered. For in Mount Zion and in Jerusalem shall be deliverance, as the Lord hath said, and in the remnant whom the Lord shall call. And the purpose or the point of quoting from an Old Testament prophet was to prove that whoever calls on the name of Jesus Christ is going to be saved, not the Jew only. Paul says there is no difference between Jew or Greek. Whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Matthew 28, 19 teaches us that the gospel is to be given to all nations. And so the point of this is that the gospel is at work in this world currently. It is specifically designed for drawing men in this world today. That's the purpose of the gospel. So it's something of purpose, the net is. But it's also something that is cast Go back to our text in Matthew 13 and verse 47. Jesus says the kingdom of heaven is like unto a net that was cast into the sea and gathered of every kind. It was cast into the sea. Now the sea would represent the sphere in which men live and move. It's the world. It's the sea of humanity that the gospel is cast into. Into the sea of humanity, the net of the gospel has been cast for the purpose of drawing men. Now, you say, okay, I understand that. I get that. What's the point? Well, the point is this. Look at verse 48. Which when it was full, they drew to shore and sat down and gathered the good into vessels, but cast the bad away. Here we find the gathering. This was the purpose and the intent of casting the net in the first place to do its job, to gather the fish. The application is this. Listen, the gospel does its job in the hearts of men. The gospel will always do its job. The good and the bad fish it gathered represent people in this world. The difference between bad and good people in this parable is that one group sees their need of salvation and responds to Christ by faith. The other group sees no need to be saved. They spurn the person of Jesus Christ. And the thing that we learn from this, friend, is this. Number one, the gospel of Christ always makes men face up to reality. It does its job in the hearts of men. And it always makes men face up to reality. The gospel is the final truth, the ultimate reality, the fun, and really the fundamental secret to life and eternal life is the gospel of Jesus Christ. There are the good that are mentioned here. The good would be people who deal honestly with Jesus Christ, who, who deal honestly with their own sin when they learn what is real and genuine about Him and they understand their own need, they respond to Him by faith. That's the good. The bad would be those who run from the reality of Christ. 
who have no real desire to put themselves under the lordship of Christ. They willfully choose the world of unbelief to the world of faith. They choose the physical realm rather than the spiritual realm. They choose self rather than Christ. And ultimately, they choose unreality rather than reality. Because reality is, there's coming an end and we're going to stand before our Creator. Well, the Gospel always makes men face up to reality. We say, how do you... How do you say that, Pastor? Because people don't always get saved. Well, here's the point of the gospel, the purpose of the gospel. When a person is confronted with the gospel of Jesus Christ, it has a way of revealing what kind of person they are. People are always faced with a choice when they're confronted with the gospel. It tells whether a person will deal honestly with the truth of God or whether they will reject it and turn from it. The gospel isolates a man and causes him to have to make a decision about Jesus Christ. Say, when a person hears the gospel and they don't get saved, did they make a decision about Jesus Christ? They absolutely did. They they made a decision to say no. The gospel isolates a person. You can't remain neutral when you're confronted with the gospel of Christ because it's supernatural. The final decision that a person makes is a separation for either he will follow Christ or he will turn from Christ. He cannot remain neutral. And note this. And I found this to be true from practical experience so many times. The gospel of Jesus Christ drives men one way or the other. It always does. If a person believes and acts upon the truth, he'll never be the same again. Because he's going to be saved and God's going to change his life. It'll change everything about him. Maybe not all at once, but gradually, little by little, every area of one's life becomes affected by the truth of Jesus Christ. Amen? But the same is also true if a person rejects the gospel. If he spurns the truth, then he will never be the same again. Because he'll become more and more hardened to spiritual truth. And so, we find that The gospel makes men face up to reality. The gospel hardens or softens a person's heart depending on one's response to it. You can't remain neutral. Go with me over to 2 Corinthians chapter 2. I'm making a point here, so stay with me, all right? 2 Corinthians chapter 2. In verse 14. Now thanks be unto God, which always causeth us to triumph in Christ, and maketh manifest the savor of his knowledge by us in every place. For we are unto God a sweet savor of Christ in them that are saved, and in them that perish. To the one we are the savor of death unto death, and to the other the savor of life unto life. And who is sufficient for these things? What's Paul saying here? 
You know, when the gospel is preached to some people, man, we, he says to some, to one, we're the savor of death unto death. It's like, I don't want to hear that. I hate you. I hate the gospel. I hate Christianity. I hate everything about you. Because the truth is confronting them about what they are. They don't want to receive it or embrace it. But on the other hand, that same gospel that's preached to a person who sees it for what it is, who sees themselves and they embrace it and they understand it. Man, we're the savor of life. Thank you for giving me the gospel. It saved my soul. It saved my life. But it's the same gospel. Same message. And so it's an illustration of the fact that you can't stay neutral. You can't stay the same. The gospel hardens or softens depending on a person's response to it. And the gospel is like a net that captures people and eventually exposes what they are and lays bare the true motive of the heart. And it's working right now. It's gathering right now. As a person is exposed to the truth of the gospel. And the time of opportunity to be saved is right now. The gospel is at work in this world, and it will be until the end. And we find that as well in verse 48. If you go back to Matthew chapter 13, we find the time of the drawing. So you see the net itself, that it has a purpose. It's doing its job. And we see the drawing in verse 48, which when it was full, they drew to shore. Notice that the time of the drawing is when the net is full. When it's full, the net of God's saving grace will not always be in the sea of this world. It will not always be in the sea of humanity. There is a time of drawing the net in. And it might be very near at hand. When it's full, that will be the time of the end of this age, the day of the gospel. But of that day and of that hour, nobody knows. When the gospel net is drawn, then the present privilege and opportunity of salvation for those who have heard it, is also gone. 2 Corinthians 6.2 says, Now is the accepted time. Now is the day of salvation. It always grieves me when I read of what's coming and how people who have heard the gospel, who have so much opportunity to be saved, who reject the gospel, and when Christ comes and He catches away the saints of God, how many people who've had opportunity to be saved, maybe who even claim to be saved, maybe sitting in Baptist church pews, are going to be left behind. The opportunity of grace, the, sa the, the, the opportunity to be saved and to respond to the gospel is now, but there's coming a time when that's no longer going to be the case. And how many are all of a sudden going to, maybe, maybe on a Sunday, 
And a great majority of the church is gone. And there's nothing left but a pile of their clothes and a few people sitting around. What just happened? Uh Uh-oh. Think of that reality, friend. Do you know for sure you're saved? Oh, you're just trying to scare me, Pastor. You better believe it. You better believe it, friend. It's a scary thing. It's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. And what a day that's going to be. What emotional highs for the children of God who get to see their Savior face to face. But what terrifying sorrow for those who know they had a chance, but they were never saved. There's no more chances for them. There's no more chances for them. And how many with tears and wails and sobs are going to be begging God for one more chance? We don't know the day or the hour. We don't know when that gospel net is going to be drawn. We don't know when the present opportunity and privilege that we have of salvation is going to be gone. That's why now is the accepted time. Why now is the day of salvation? The time of drawing, it's going to come. But then we see at the last part of verse 48 and verse 49, we find the separation. Verse 48 says that they sat down and gathered the good into vessels, but cast the bad away. So shall it be. At the end of the world, the angels shall come forth and sever the wicked from among the just. We find here that they gathered the good and they cast the bad away. So shall it be in the end of the world. Jesus gives the meaning of it all right here. It was the character of these fish that determined their destiny. The good, they gathered into the vessels. The bad were cast away. It was the character of the fish that determined the end. But listen, it was not the fish who were the ones that were deciding what the standard of good or bad was. They sat down. They gathered the good. They cast away the bad. So shall it be in the end of the world. It's not a person's own standard that determines whether or not they're the good. The Bible tells us that the Lord knows them that are His. And Matthew 7, 21 tells us that the Lord is the one who will do the separating based on whether or not a person has truly been born again or not. The Bible tells us that the good were put into the vessels, the bad are cast into the fire, eternal separation from God. 
And let me just conclude the message here this afternoon with Jesus' own words. Verse 51. Have ye understood all these things? They answered, yes, Lord, we understand. Do you understand? That brings me to the conclusion and the last question. Where are you today? Are you saved or are you lost? The gospel net is gathering you in. You're faced with a decision that's going to determine your eternal destiny. Respond to the gospel and the conviction of the Spirit of God or no. But there's also a second application which is encouraging for the saints of God. Because of the fact that the gospel is doing its work in this world, you know what that means for me and for you who are called to be ambassadors for Christ? It means this. We don't have to try to manufacture anything. All we need to do is just simply give the gospel. It'll do its job. It'll do its work. It'll do what it's supposed to do, what it was designed to do, to gather men. And you know what, friend? That is comforting to me, personally. Because we're all, we're all faced with the responsibility to be a witness for Jesus Christ. How is your witness, friend? Well, you might feel pressure. Oh, you're just pressuring me. You're just pressuring me. No, that is a command of Christ. But this truth ought to relieve some pressure for you. All you have to do is give the gospel. It'll do its job. It relieves the pressure to have to try to manufacture something or try to get somebody saved. All we need to do, friend, is simply obey and tell people, you know what, we all have a problem. It's a universal problem. It's a sin problem. We violated God's holy law. There's nothing good about us. And because of that, we're an offense to God. Because of our offense to God and our sin, we deserve judgment and wrath. The wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life. God has provided a way for your sin to be forgiven, for you to have a relationship with God. Jesus died on the cross to take your place. He shed his perfect blood so that your sin could be washed away. All you need to do is repent of your sin toward God. Put your faith in Jesus Christ. He will save your soul. He'll change your life. Let me tell you what he's done for me. Give the gospel. It makes men have to choose. That is comforting to me. And so the encouragement for you, friend, is if you're saved, don't fret, don't fear, don't feel pressure, don't try to manufacture. Just do what Jesus told you to do. Give the gospel and let it do its work. Amen? The other application, again, is where are you today? Are you saved? Are you lost? The day of gathering is coming. Do you know the Lord? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, would you use your word? Thank you for it. The short time we've had here this afternoon, I pray that the truths would be impactful. And if there's still some that are not saved, Lord, would you draw them to the Lord Jesus Christ? And for the child of God, Lord, I pray that you'd help us to see that the time that we have is running out. We're going to stand before our Savior, too. We're going to give an account for our life, too. Are we being faithful with giving the gospel? 
Lord, you've done all the work. You've done all that's necessary. You choose to use your children. And Lord, help us to see it as a great privilege and honor. To be able to be an ambassador of Christ. You've given the ministry of reconciliation. That men could be reconciled to God. To be removed from being an enemy of God. To being a son of God. What a great privilege there that is for the child of God in this world. So Lord, as the gospel is doing its job, Lord, I pray that you would help us to take part in that great work of Christ, kingdom work. In Jesus' name, amen.